0: Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators.
1: Hey everyone, how are you? Doing well? Fantastic. It's good to see you all. I hope you've had a great week. Uh, Today we're starting a series called Walking with Jesus Uh, and leading up into Easter, uh, which is getting scarily close, isn't it? It's it's gone like New Year's and then Easter, it was about a week apart. But I want to start off with this verse that's uh, seemingly insignificant and unimportant, uh, that John records in chapter 3 verse 22 he says this it says Jesus and his disciples went out to, into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them wow let's just wrap it up here hey let's pray what a powerful morning <laughs> uh, what he did here with his disciples was actually quite simple And John put this in for a reason because I think we complicate a lot of things that Jesus did and what we are to be like as well. And uh, the way that Jesus spent time and and that he really changed the lives of a handful of people and ultimately changed the lives of billions around the world throughout history was this kind of method. This is how he started. is by he'd gather a handful of people and he would spend some time with them. Now, Spend time in Greek, this is what John actually wrote down, it's pronounced, uh, this word diatribo, diatribo, and dia means against, and tribo means to rub. So diatribo literally means to rub up against, or to to rub off, or to wear on, to to influence, to like, you know, like leaning on a freshly painted wall. You know, that you might rub up against a freshly painted wall. You don't walk away the same. You walk away frustrated and and a different color. You start to resemble the wall a lot more than you used to, don't you? And that's, that's literally the idea, is that it would be something that rubs off on you. And this is what John was saying here, is that they went into the Judean countryside. And as they spent time together jesus 's traits and who he was and his his way of thinking, his way of being, his understanding of God himself, the authority that they have that stuff started to rub off on them that eventually they started to do things that that were kind of jesus kind of things and this happens to us still today, and you know it's, you know it 's true that you spend time with people uh, long enough that you start to talk like them a little bit, you start to to see things the way they see it. If, For some reason, I don't know if this is scientifically proven or something, but if you stay married long enough, apparently you start to look like each other. <laughs> and there are some couples that, you know, everyone's seen them, right? There you go. They look they look the same. <laughs> this diatribo still takes place. In fact, years ago, I was um, part of a social experiment. Um, no, that's too clever. I was on a bus trip and bored. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, I wonder if I can sneak things into people's vocabulary without them knowing. And so they started, every conversation, I would respond at the end of the sentence with, yeah, 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 yeah. No one says, yeah, twice, uh, not then. Um, but as the bus trip went on, what I started to notice is when they would talk to each other, they'd respond to each other with, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." And I was just sitting back, oh, dance my puppets. <laughs> But it was that, it's something that, that rubbed off and it wasn't beneficial. It was an interesting experiment and I couldn't push it to three years. That never picked up. Uh, but a lot of people started to pick up. It, it, that diatribo effect of going, you spend enough time with people, it, it's all of a sudden things start to rub off on us. And that is what spending time with Jesus did to the disciples. A bit more impacting and a little bit more world changing. But that is essentially the effect that it had. It was something significant was taking place. They began to pick up Jesus traits. And if you're going to pick up any traits, those ones aren't, the, aren't, aren't bad, are they? They're the ones that you would go, I, if I looked more like Jesus, that wouldn't be a bad thing. If I thought more like him and I spoke more like him and I lived and I had an understanding of who I am and who God is and And what the way that we look at the world is, those traits would be actually quite beneficial for us, wouldn't they? And this is what the disciples did. And so eventually later, even once Jesus had gone physically, is they started to preach the gospel and saw thousands of people come to Jesus. They would run into people who were demon possessed and they would cast them out and bring freedom. They'd run into sick people and lay their hands on the sick and they would be healed immediately. Now these are Jesus kind of things. Something had rubbed off on them. Yes, there was something powerful within them, but something else had shifted. There'd been a mark. They had lent into this wall with wet paint and they had come off a little bit different. And they weren't going back. Something had shifted. The diatribo was taking place in their lives. I love this story as as it continues in the book of Acts. Uh, After Jesus had physically gone to heaven, And these were some of his, as you'll see, plain old boring disciples had an effect. Acts 4.13 says, The members of this council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary boring old men, that there was nothing special about them, plain, they were ordinary, with no special training in the Scriptures. Other ones would say with no obvious education. (laughs) Thank goodness, Right. But then it goes on, they also recognise them as men who had been with Jesus. What a statement that all of a sudden they're like, hey, we've only really heard people preach this boldly and confidently one of time. We've only really seen one other person cause such a stir in the religious circles and in the temples. And only really, there's, there's one other case that we know of in recent history that, that people were healed and set free, and there's this movement. We thought we killed the movement when we killed Jesus, but there's something continuing here. It's because something had rubbed off from Jesus onto, well, here, John and Peter, but the rest of the disciples, those who were following him as well. And what I'm saying is I think that this is a thing for us to aspire to is to get closer to Jesus and, and to have this kind of relationship with Him where the diatribo effect is taking place in our life as well, where we start to, to look a little bit more like Him and think a bit more like that way and and maybe understand who we are and who God is, who He is, how He created this world and what works within it. And, and it's not something of going, oh, I better memorize everything and then go off and do it, but it's something that it's just worn off onto us where we've just started to change. Where this diatribo has happened of going, well, we've got, I've got, just pressed into Jesus so much that, that when I walk off, I look different, that something has stuck to me. Because here's the thing, that there were a lot of people who gathered around Jesus, if you read the Gospels. It wasn't just 12. He didn't go grab a few guys and then run off into the wilderness not to see anyone again. There were crowds, there were thousands of people who saw him, who knew of him. Most of them even liked him. That they would find out where he is and run and listen to him and see what he did and do another party trick, Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. A lot of people who did that, but there was something different between the crowds and the disciples. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it wasn't, wasn't many in the crowd that, that made big, much of a difference? But all of the apostles, all those that were with him, did. See, there's something about this relationship with Jesus that plenty of us can know of God when we can adapt our behavior to even look like it's true, that we do know him. And we can sit in the crowd and spectate and see what God's doing and what he's written in the Bible and what he wants and go, okay, I'll fall into line with a couple, but not those ones because I'm just not the... mm." But it was the disciples who were close to him, who listened, that didn't just kind of see and hear what Jesus was going on about, but they caught something that he was talking about. It wasn't just that we know that Jesus can do it, but they started to understand, hang on, that there's something, something in me that can do this as well. Said, oh, well, he's the king, he's the savior, he's going to do all these things, and That's what everyone on the hillside thought of going, wow, look at Jesus. But after spending time with Jesus, the disciples started to realize, hang on, he's he's setting me up for something as well. There was a difference between sitting in a crowd and I I think so easily we can become spectators of Jesus rather than followers. Kyle Udman wrote a book called um, Follower Not a Fan, talking all about how Churches tend to be filled with fans of Jesus, but not as many followers. And that's what we see in the Gospels, that Jesus had a lot of fans. And it's easy for us to be a fan and have our moments, but Jesus is actually asking us to be a follower, to have that diatribo, that proximity, that relationship, something that rubs off. See, those that that were close to Jesus changed the most, and they were the ones that changed the world the most as well. See, knowing is a great beginning, but following really is the key. See, knowing is great. Knowing God is a great place to start, but it can't stay there. It's, it's following that things start to happen, that it shifts into, into gear, that that's what makes the difference. A couple of really confronting verses, but they're in the Bible, is uh, in James 2.19. It says, well, you say that you have faith, uh, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even demons believe this, and they tremble. In, terror. in other words, it's like even hell knows that there is one God, but at least they're responding to it. They're terrified of this because they know who He is a little bit more. Not that we should be trembling in terror, but they understand, well, that, that truth means to them. It's bad news for them. It's great news for us, though. Even Jesus, these are red letters in Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast the demons out in your name, and performed many miracles even in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. When what a confronting scripture. What a confronting conversation that Jesus is having here with a whole lot of people. In fact, he's talking to not just his disciples here, he's saying this to the crowds. See, a lot of you will will name me an appropriate name. You'll elevate me where I deserve. A lot of you will do great, like you'll do the right looking things, but you'll do it separate from me. You'll do it distant, that you know about me, but here's the thing that... You realize when you follow Jesus through, through the Gospels is that it's acceptance and the power and freedom, all these things, it doesn't necessarily come just by knowing him or even by doing Christian-y kinds of things. It's about him knowing you as well and that relationship that goes both ways. It's about that, that friendship that, as I said, that relationship that has a detribo effect of where you go, well, it's not just that I believe that Jesus exists and that there is a God. But to the point where I push in and I follow him and I get close enough and open enough that I let him start to change who I am. I keep leaning into him like a wet wall because I don't want to continue looking the same. Let me try to explain this maybe another way because it can sound a little bit like try harder, can't it? When you read this, you're like, oh no, those are pretty... Pretty confronting ideas, but that's not, the, that's not the idea, that's not what the Bible is actually talking about here even, is let's say, oh, this year, all right, I've been married to my wife for 10 years, all right, and together for a couple of years longer than that, which is great news, who thought she'd put up with me? Oh, why wouldn't she, really? But <laughs> let's be honest, she's lucky, right? No? She's not in this service, the next one, I'll change it, but... But after, after 12 years, she will now beat me to a very Cameron punchline, one that 12 years ago she would not have ever thought of, never thought was funny, or just never understood. <laughs> she would have never got it. But now, something will happen and she'll give me that side eye like, did you see that? Did you? Did you see it? I'm like, I'm trying to be mature, Beck. shut up. And she'll come after, back after and go, oh, what? like, boom, here's a punchline. I'm like, oh, what have I done to you? <laughs> like, oh, Jesus is trying to fix that in me and I, that's diatribo to you. That's the that's wrong thing to pick up. Uh, but it's funny and it's great. But this is something that has naturally happened over time. We didn't do like Cameron Humor 101 classes with her for the last 10 years because she just wouldn't have got it. She didn't think it was funny at the beginning and somehow now it is. We didn't do that, but this is something that has rubbed off over time. She's just picked up of going, when, when something happens, she goes, I know how Doug sees that. I know that he's right now biting his tongue and that he has to be a grown-up today. <laughs> she, knows, she knows when those kinds of things are in a conversation when someone says something, what my reaction, what I want it to be. And sometimes she just beats me to it or, or we're around friends and she gets cred points by by saying it first, and everyone laughed, and I'm like, man, that was my joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was supposed to hit the, the high note. But this is just something that has happened. After spending so much time together, something is, has worn off. In fact, she now sees through a different filter. Now, there's been plenty of other things as well, and same with in my life with her, but there is a new filter in, in this re- relation that, that she sees things through. She never used to have this filter. And this is what we are to be like, this is what the disciples were. After spending time with Jesus, is they started to look at situations differently to how they used to, but something else has changed. They can now see the way, well, Jesus sees it this way. Oh my goodness, I now know what's going on. I love the stories of, of uh, when the disciples had a fail in the Bible, because often it was them trying to do Jesus-y kinds of things, and they just, they just didn't quite have it yet. They were trying to do it in their own power, but they recognized this is what Jesus would do. When they brought a kid to Jesus and said, hey, this, my, my son's possessed and throws himself in the fire. We took him to your disciples and they couldn't do it. But the fact is they tried. They, they brought a child to them. They go, oh, okay, Jesus isn't here. I know what he would do. I love those stories of Peter saying, hey, call me out in the water. That's a Jesus-y kind of thing. I'll go walk on the water with you. He at least had a go at it. it. It was all of a sudden they had a different filter looking at their world differently at how they looked at the future, how they looked at eternity, other people. Now, they got their wrists smacked a lot by thinking the old way, regularly, but that was a part of the growing, going, no, 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 we don't look at the Samaritans that way. We don't look at those widows that way. We don't look at, at, at the, the person that had been married a bunch of times that way. No, no, this is how we look at them. And they picked it up eventually, and this was the distinction in, in Acts, where it says, hey, we recognize that these men had been with Jesus not just followed him around, not just looked at him and not just gone, oh, he's a good guy. But there's something of Jesus that has rubbed off on them as well. They have a new filter, a new look about them. See, Jesus gave this personal request to follow him 89 times in the Gospels. That's just the ones that are recorded. To follow him. And I believe that's still the goal for us today, to be people who follow closely Jesus. Not just put a Christian name tag on and go, yeah, yeah, I believe that there is God, that Jesus is a thing, that church is cool, it's nice to have nice friends. No, no, but something that we genuinely do when he says, follow me, it's not look at me, it's coming close with me. And this is what he wants for us. And I I want to remind you, tell you that if, if you're wanting to experience what God could do in your life or through your life, it is found in the following, not in the looking. If you want to experience miracles and see miracles happen in your world, it's, it's found in the following. Come on, if you need healing for your past or something in your heart, there's something going on that you're just not letting go of, I'll tell you that there is healing for that. It's found in following not just spectating and not just putting a label on. It is found in moving closer to Jesus saying, Lord, I need something to rub off. I need to look different. I can't just fake it. I can't just put on a mask and go on and behave the way I know I should. I need something to genuinely change who I am. And this is, these things that we all, all want from God is found in the following, his presence to be experienced And an exponential difference to be made in this world is only found in the following. If we want to be a church that sees the thousands of people in Toowoomba who don't know Jesus yet, if we want to see them encounter Him, come on, it's going to be a church that is following closely Jesus. Knowing Him is a great beginning, but come on, the power is in the following. And in our city, we know that there are over 150,000 in this region who don't know Jesus to this degree. If we want to make that kind of an impact, if we want to make something that spreads further than just here as well, it is only found in the following. We cannot be just spectators and fans of Jesus, but genuine followers. That is where the change happens in us and through us. So let me encourage you, don't stay in the crowd, but move closer to Him. And over time, you'll find that those Jesus traits become default you traits as well. So let's have a look at what I think following looks like, because you're like, well that's fantastic Doug, but it's nice to have a map there, <laughs> where do I start and where do I go, and then what happens tomorrow, and when I kick my toe, then what, <laughs> when I'm not caffeinated, then what, alright, so let's have a look at it, I've got four things, it really just as beginnings, that what following looks like, and the first one is it's spirit led now, that's what following Jesus looks like for us, it's spirit led, See, with Jesus in the Bible, it kind of made a lot more sense for him to call out, saying, hey, why don't you follow me? In fact, as I said, 89 times Jesus extended this in, in the Pauline the epistles, all the letters that Paul wrote, he uses the phrase once, is because it kind of had a certain connotation to it of going, I want you to physically follow me. But every reference that Paul and everyone, all the New Testament authors make is being led by the Spirit. If there was no, no physical person to follow right now, is there? Otherwise, that would make it a little bit easier, going, go follow Jesus. you do all get up and go, all right, he's going that way. But we are to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit. That's the dominant way of thinking about our relationship between Jesus and us. It's not that we walk around behind a person, but we understand that he dwells with us and in us. Now, look at this, in John 14, this is what Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or other translations say helper or counsellor. I'll send another another advocate to help and be with you forever. Uh, The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows, but you know him. See there, it doesn't say, but you see him and know him. It just says, you know him. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, this is how we follow Jesus when you're not sure what to do. We have the Holy Spirit within us and are all around us going, God, help us. What do I do now? When we find ourselves in certain circumstances, instead of turning to Jesus, like the disciples, would have just dumbfounded going, are you going to do this? We go, the Holy Spirit is within us. I need to be in tune with what he's saying. I want to experience the gifts that He has for us. I want the fruit of the Spirit to come out from me. I, I want to be led by what the Holy Spirit is saying, to be have ears to hear what God might be saying to me. And there's been so many uncanny kind of moments where we've, well, for me anyway, I found myself in a situation and a random thought comes in of going, why don't you do this? I go, oh, that's, I don't want to. That's not it's not me, or that sounds dumb. And you step out in faith and do it. You go, oh my goodness, that was good advice. Thank you, whatever that was. And we no, it's the Holy Spirit. It's that, that is how we follow. See, what Jesus was saying here when he says, hey, hey, I'm going to get the Father send another one, was essentially that you can follow me around now, but later it's not going to be a following in this sense. It's going to be a led by something. It's going to be a led by the same Spirit, that's within Jesus. So for us now, we have to be people led by the Holy Spirit. We need to stop looking at the Holy Spirit as if he's lesser than Jesus. Go, man, those disciples were so lucky. No, no, he says, I'm going to send another one, one just like me, in the same kind. It's not less than, it's the same. So number two is we follow him through the Bible. And this is why I wanna encourage you leading up into Easter to follow Jesus through the Bible. See what he was doing. See, just his earthly life was a great example for us to look back and follow. We can imitate him in our future by looking back to what he did. See, 1 Peter 2, verse 21 to 22, it says, Christ suffered, essentially, he suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. Not about suffering, but yes, the way that he did. But he left us an example so that we might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So even though he's not physically out in front of us, we can see a physical uh, example of what he did in these situations. When he comes up against tough times and these trials, we should look at that and go, okay, if he responded that way, maybe I should respond a similar way. You know, when he confronted the sick, he was able to lay hands on them, pray, and see them healed. So if that is true there, maybe that's our example for now. See, there he seemed to love people that others counted unlovable. Well, maybe that's how I should be now, that he is our example. And often we think of Jesus as the exception, going, oh, well, he's God, he's got all the cheat codes. No, but he was the example. He says, as I sent my son, as, as I am in this world, I'm sending you into this world as well. And so when we look at what he did, it's, that's our example when it comes to forgiveness, going, well, I don't like the mongrel. It's like, well, that's fine. Jesus forgives, that he brings grace in, in a way that We don't fully understand, but this is what we are to do when it comes to compassion and strength and boldness, when it comes to supernatural authority. And I could go on and on and on, but when we read the Gospels, we see an example of who we are to be like. We can follow him through the Bible. A third one is that we need to to follow Jesus nice and close for that diatribo to take off is we see prayer as a conversation. I love Paul says that we should pray without ceasing. I don't know, do you have the stamina to pray for that? You've got to work it up to that, don't you? Like an hour prayer meeting, and then you go longer, and you're like, "Poor, running out of things to begin with, aren't we? So it's a tough kind of verse, a concept to grab hold of, unless it's a conversation, realising that there are two people in this chat. Maybe I was always raised with the idea of sometimes it's best to let the most intelligent person in the room talk the most. I try to take that into my prayer life. <laughs> There's maybe maybe all, all of my side of the conversation isn't as important as what he's wanting to say to me today. Maybe, every now and then. I want to hear what God's got to say. Well, again, through the Gospels, you see the disciples asked a lot of questions to Jesus. Some good, some f- not, not great. And they ran their ideas by him. They came with propositions. They came with like, hey, what about this? And do you think we could do that? And then at the end of time, can I sit on a big fancy throne as well? And like, they just kind of open mouth, boom, here, Jesus, here's everything in my head, constantly barraging him. No wonder he retreated early morning up a hill sometimes. Just, or he did the long prayer meetings and they all went to sleep. And he's like, oh, thank goodness, right? Let's just give us, give us a break. But, but they were in constant conversation with him. They weren't walking along, following behind him and just kind of saving up for those bad moments and going, oh, thank goodness Jesus is here. They they weren't waiting for the trial and then going, well, lucky I've just got Jesus on a, on a leash. Let's roll him up. And no, they're just constantly talking to him. And this is how that diatribu effect takes place. This is why Beck now has a humor similar to mine, because after just 12 years of exposure and explaining the jokes and like getting them and, and understanding why they're so funny, Beck, and. It just wears off. And this is the same that happens when we are just making sure our prayer life is conversational as well as like all the other types of dedicated prayer that we have. This is what I like is um, in that verse in John 14, <clears throat> it says that, it describes the Holy Spirit as a counsellor or advocate, helper. And in the Greek, this is the word paraclete. Para means alongside and, and cleat is a helper. And in fact, it was a word Uh, That often used in in their culture even to mean a legal advocate, someone who would come alongside you and help you forward, who would advocate on your behalf and who would encourage you, build you up and say, hey, this is the way we go, don't do this, don't do that, go this way. And so this has an kind of an idea that there is a strong encouragement aspect to it. So I'm going to send you this advocate, this counsellor called alongside to help. Now, if we could see the Holy Spirit in that same light, our prayer life might change from dedicated devotional time to just constantly during the day as well. Of going, oh, I don't know what to do right now, Lord, help me. What do you reckon? If we were to understand that he's not just far out there or somewhere deep, deep, deep within, hidden, but he's also called alongside to advocate and help. If we could see prayer as a conversation, we'd probably run more ideas by him and we'd seek more advice. See, again, I think that like a freshly painted wall, church, we should lean into Jesus through our prayers more regularly, outside of our devotional time. And the fourth one, is we don't follow... Alone. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be close and see that diatribo effect really taking place, we don't really follow alone. I love this one in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow uh, Christ, as I follow the example of Christ. See, so many times in my life, you might be different, but in my life, I have failed. I've missed the mark and I've gone off track and I've been discouraged And I've needed people to kind of redirect me and pick me up, bring some hope and encouragements and times where I think that I'm on the right track and someone goes, no, 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 hey, why don't you follow my example while I'm following Christ as well? And I've needed that. And in fact, I think we all need others more than we'd like to admit. That time where we've just, we're not feeling it, It's, it's a bit heavy. We need someone like this to say, hey, why don't you, this is what I'm doing in order to keep closer to God. Why don't you show me this? Because what I've learned is that it's not just a mentor-mentee role in the church. But there are aspects for each of us that we go, hang on, I'm, I could get better at that and I need to follow your example in that. And there's something that you should follow my example in as well. See, the church builds one another up. In fact, that's why we use our spiritual gifts is to build up the church, to edify, to strengthen the church. But not just that as well. As we follow Jesus, we don't follow alone. This diatribo effect has a bigger impact on others that are all around us as well. This is the, the obvious in the gospel, right? Have you noticed that Jesus made an impact on some people's lives? sure no one's going to answer but those people also made an impact in other people's lives they led people to Christ constantly just it was just an outflowing because they didn't just do it alone see in our following in our own discipleship it, it can't exclude the fact of bringing others along that journey with us no matter where they are in their faith we bring others alone See, following Jesus ourselves always results in the diatribo of others, that it rubs off, it wears off on them. And there is an unescapable truth that every single one of us are called and commissioned to make a difference and to make disciples. Unescapable, it's inseparable. It's not like I need to grow in my faith first and then I can do this. No, it's both at the same time. As I'm going, as I'm following, I'm bringing others along this journey with me. That you're going, well, I'm gonna follow that example, but at the same time, hey, how about you follow this example as I'm following Christ? See, we don't follow alone. We have people pulling us forward and we have, we have to be people pulling others with us, us as well to make this kind of difference that God has asked us to. And these are just simple little tips that maybe aren't earth shattering, but, but I can see what the impact it might make if a church or if an individual grabbed hold of these things and going, you know what, I want to follow closely. I don't want to just stay in the crowd and look at what's going on, but I want to be close. I want it to rub off. I want to kind of get to this time next year and go, no, no, I look different. I see things differently. I have a different effect, a different revelation, that something has genuinely changed about who I am. I've experienced freedom, this healing, power of God, whatever it might be, that this is what has happened in our life. Now, some of you might not think that the invitation extends to you. Here's the good news about what Jesus continually did as he extended the offer of going, would you follow? Would you let me into your life and help change the future? That it wasn't just to the perfect. It wasn't just to the believers. It was to every person. We think that our past eliminates us from what Jesus wants to do, but he goes, no, no, bring your past and I'll bring healing. Bring all your scars and I'll bring some healing to it. Come on, bring who you are right now. Let Him wear off, rub off on to who you are to see that change happen in your life. It's His love and kindness of God that brings the greatest change in our life. And that is on offer for every single one of us. And so right now, I'm just gonna ask, if we would just close our eyes for a minute, this is we're about to pray. But maybe you have never asked God into your life personally before. You might know about Him you might even be a fan. But you'd say, look, I just don't think that I'm, I have that relationship with Him. I'm not close. It's not but It's not rubbing off. I wanna give you the opportunity this morning to make that decision, to ask God, come into my life. I wanna know you personally, intimately, closer to see the impact that this relationship with God can really make as we begin to follow. So if that's you this morning, while no one else is looking around, would you just raise your hand in the air to say, I, wanna, I want God in my life. I want to know Him more. I want to follow Him and what He's got for me. Awesome, thank you. Fantastic, thanks, man. That's great. Is there anyone else this morning? Just between you and God, I just want to, awesome. Thank you. That's amazing. Church, would we celebrate with these people this morning? Come on. It's amazing. The Bible says all of heaven celebrates when one person comes home to Jesus. And so we, we should reflect that as well. But I just wanna pray for you guys at the moment, show you an example of a prayer that you can pray in your words or now with along with me. But church, would you pray with them or pray for them as well? That They're not in this by themselves, it's not individualistic, but we are together as a family growing towards God. So let's pray for them. Father, I thank you that you have revealed yourself to your kids, Or that they are now son or a daughter of yours. Lord, that their past is, is wiped clean as they come to You repent and as they come to You asking to come into their life and make them brand new. Lord, I pray that as they follow You, that they'll see the good work that You've begun in them and that You are faithful to complete in them. Lord, bring a revelation of who You are and who they are created to be that they might experience freedom in You and find their purpose in You, that they make a big difference in this world as well. I thank You in Jesus' name.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you, to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.